Well, my name is Aaron, a pastor here for Riverwood. Uh, glad that each and every one of you are here, whether this is your first time or your 40th time. I'm glad you are here to worship with us. And today's going to be a little different. Uh, today's not a, I guess, traditional sermon in a sense. Uh, if you want that, come back next week. <laughs> we're going to launch a new series called Redefining Love. And we're going to go back to 1 Corinthians. We were studying it before. We're going to go back and we're ready for chapter 13. And that pairs up really nicely as we head into the month of love with Valentine's Day and all that jazz. Uh, and what we're going to do is really look at what truly is love. Is it what our culture says, or does the scriptures define it a little differently? And it's going to be a really, really good series. I'm excited for it. But today, I'm going to do kind of this state of the church address. And it comes right on the heels of just an epic, epic week. I mean, first of all, Iowa's getting ready to go into an epic week. I mean, tomorrow are the caucuses, all right? If you didn't quite realize there's this presidential election thing going on, if you didn't know, it means you don't watch TV. Uh, I think they've purchased the uh, TV stations, and it's nothing but nonstop commercials. And then on February 2nd, we're going to have a blizzard, they say. And my hope and prayer is that the candidates get out of Iowa before the blizzard hits. Otherwise, I fear their commercials will just keep going. All right, so get the caucuses done, send them on their way, have the blizzard. We can kind of hole in and then just be Iowa and move on. Well, Iowa's having an epic week, but Riverwood has had an epic week. Uh, last week for our first ever baptisms, and it was so much fun to celebrate with Hannah and with Zion, their decision. I, I think it was great that our first two baptisms were kids. The scriptures talk about how a child will lead them. And I just think it's awesome that these two, they knew exactly what they were doing. I talked with them. I will not let anyone be baptized who thinks they're doing it just to feel better or, or like, you know, make themselves feel clean before God or something that they're doing it because they realize Jesus died on a cross for the forgiveness of their sins, and they are identifying with that. They're making Jesus the center of their life. And so I just thought it was awesome that these two, they fully understood what they were doing, and they were willing to, to do it. And uh, we had a great turnout, and it was just a fantastic Sunday. And so I just am really excited, not just because of last week and the new youth series that we did in January, but just kind of what's ahead. And so that's why I wanted to take one week to kind of say, Here's what's going on. Here's where we're going. Uh, last week, uh, if you were there, we started off with a little game. And the game was because the kids were with us, and I wanted to keep them involved and make it a lot of fun, but it got a little chaotic. I invited a couple of people to pass out candy to anyone who answered correctly, and pretty soon candy was just like flying. I, I think maybe a couple of people went to the ER, and uh, it, it was pretty dangerous, and so I apologize. It wasn't that bad, really. Uh, but what I did was I called out a company name. And I said, you know, like, Jimmy John's. And as soon as they heard that, they were supposed to call out, like, what is, what is Jimmy John's primarily famous for? What's their one thing? And so, of course, you know, it's sandwiches. Uh, what was it? Freaky fast, right? Yeah, freaky fast, but sandwiches, all right? That's, they're known for sandwiches. That, although, I just, talked to Gary, I just talked to Gary Grace, the owner of Jimmy John's here. He said this last week, they had someone call in for two chocolate chip cookies and a Diet Coke, and they wanted it delivered, freaky fast. Uh, so I guess you don't have to order a sandwich at Jimmy John's. Uh, also, you know, like Starbucks, coffee, you know, just calling out these companies and what's the one thing that they're known for. And, and most of these companies, people immediately had an answer. But it got me thinking, if I had said Riverwood, what would people have called back? I, I, don't get me wrong. I, you know, Riverwood's not a business. We don't have a product. But it got me thinking, what's the one thing? That's what today's about. Today, I'm going to help you understand what is the one thing. Now, there's many things that, that are a part of the life of our church. 
you know, it's this brand new church just getting going. But what is the one primary thing that if we were playing a game and I called out Riverwood Church, what's the one thing that we would want to hear yelled? And that's going to lead us then into a discussion of what's the one thing we need to look at for 2016. So today we're going to take a little glimpse back and see how do we do in 2015, and then we're going to be looking forward, saying what's this year possibly going to hold for us because some changes are ahead. So let me pray. Father, as we get into this, I pray that this wouldn't just be about Riverwood as an organization, as a, a new church trying to get going here in Waverly, but ultimately this would be about you, what you are doing, the movement you are on, the mission you've given us, and how you want each and every one of us to be a part of it, and, and how you want us to be a part of this new church. So Father, pray that you'd help your scriptures to come alive, help me to say what needs to be said, and I pray that we would just leave here with an excitement about who you are and what you're doing, and glad that for many of us, that this is our church home. And we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we're going to go into Ezekiel 47. So if you brought a Bible or you've got an app on your phone with the Bible, open up to Ezekiel 47. If you don't have one, I've got the scripture up on the screen. But the reason we're going to Ezekiel 47 today is this is kind of our key passage as a church. This is where we get our name. You're going to hear that it talks about some a river and there's some trees thus Riverwood Church. Uh, we've structured some of our ministry based on this passage, how we do things. I'm going to explain some of that. But I need you to understand how we get to chapter 47. All right, Ezekiel is this Old Testament book. He was this prophet who was in exile with the Israelites, and God gave him a dream, a vision in chapter 40 of the temple back in Israel. So there's this longing in the Israelite people to return back to their homeland, and they want to see the temple restored. And God gives him a vision. And I will be honest, it, it's kind of boring. Because you start in chapter 40, and it's like, oh, we went to this part of the temple, and we looked at this and this and this, and then we went to the north part, and we see the exact same stuff, and it just repeats on and on and on. So I've joked that if you're ever suffering from insomnia, open it up to Ezekiel 40, and you'll be out by chapter 43. Guaranteed to work, all right? Now, I make light of it because it is kind of boring, but that boring part is actually what sets up the power of chapter 47. Because as you're reading all this stuff ad nauseum, all of a sudden something jumps out. And it jumps out because he's wanting to get a hold of your attention. And that's what we see. Chapter 47, starting in verse 1. Then he, this is the, an angel who's giving Ezekiel this tour of the temple. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple. And behold, water was issuing from behold the threshold of the temple toward the east for the temple faced east. So imagine you're inside the structure and suddenly you see water trickling out. The, uh, the water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate, led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east, and behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Well, going on eastward with a measuring line, in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits. A thousand cubits, about a 1,500 to 1,750 feet, all right, if you want to get this in your head. So he measured out a thousand cubits and led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was waist deep. And again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, 
this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah. That's the Dead Sea. Uh, it flows into the Arabah and enters the sea. And when the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish. For this water goes there, and the waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. All right, we, we typically go on to verse 12, but for the sake of our time, we'll stop there in verse 9, because that captures most of what we want. Now, I'm going to share with you what this means to us, but I'm not going to take the time to explain fully how I've come to these conclusions. So if you're curious by this, or you think, oh my goodness, this pastor's like really whacked out, go a year ago, we did a whole series called Going Deeper, where we looked at this in depth each and every week. You can go on to the weareriverwood.org and listen to that whole message series. Primarily the first one is where we get the most in depth to this, all right? The series was called Going Deeper. Or you can go to our uh, church planning arm for Riverwood Church. It's called therivertreeproject.org. And there I have a little bit of an explanation in text. So if you're curious about this, you can go there. But basically it's this. I believe that this river here in Ezekiel is a prophecy of Jesus. I, I believe that this river represents Christ for, for several reasons. First, you see the river come from the temple. All right? The temple was the place that was thought to be God's presence. All right? This was the place where they would go to worship. Well, Jesus came from heaven, the ultimate place of God's presence, the ultimate place of worship. And then you see the, the river go right by the altar. The, the altar was where animals were sacrificed for the forgiveness of the Jews' sins. Well, Jesus went through the cross, which was the place of sacrifice for the sins of humanity. And then you see the river flow into the Dead Sea. The, the Dead Sea is so full of minerals that nothing can live there. In fact, if you were to go there to this day, you could go out there. You don't even know how to, have to, know how to swim, and you would just float right on top. It's so chock full of minerals. And yet, in this prophecy, this river crashes into the Dead Sea, and suddenly it's fresh water. And it's not just full of fresh water. It's now teeming with life. All kinds of animals now are living there, all sorts of fish. In fact, verse 10 talks about fishermen will go there. Just like they would go to the Mediterranean Sea, they'll now come to the Dead Sea because there's so much life in it. Well, Jesus himself says in John 10, 10, that he came to give life and to give it abundantly. All right, I've got more reasons, but suffice it to say, I believe that this river represents Jesus. And what we want to see is people stepping into this river and meeting Christ, finding life. And, and that leads us to those four depths. You saw Ezekiel walk through it four different times. They measure out those 1,000 cubits, 1,750 feet, walks through it, and each time it gets a little deeper. At Riverwood, we've kind of tied our, what we call our pathway of following Jesus to that. All right, to get ankle deep is our worship gatherings. All right, anyone can walk through those doors. It's easy to come in here. People can come in, kind of check it out, splash around a little bit, and think, yeah, this is the place I'd like to get involved. Or yeah, it's really kind of small. It's new. I don't know. And it's easy to check it out. It's another thing, though, to go into someone's home and to start studying the scriptures together, to discuss it, to, to pray. That's getting a little deeper. That's what we call getting knee-deep, is as you start growing spiritually. But then we see getting waist-deep as serving. This is when you're giving. We talk about giving of your fist, your finances, your influence, your skills, and your time. Things that we often try to hold on to, but we want to open this up and let God have control in these areas. And so one of the biggest things is we want to give up our time, we want to give up our influence, we want to give up our skills, and so we want to open up our fist, and so we want to serve. But to suddenly say, I'm going to serve alongside of this church to help its mission going, now you're starting to get pretty deep. You're starting to get waist deep. And then the last level, in over your head. This is what we equate with going. 
Because if you're in a river that has a strong current going and you can't touch the bottom, guess what? The river is in control. It can now take you wherever it wants. And ultimately, that's what I believe Jesus calls anyone who follows him to do, to let him be in the lead and to take them wherever he wants, whether that's just to go to work, go to their neighborhood, or go to another city to plant a church, or to even go to the ends of the earth. So this is kind of who we are as Riverwood. This is our biblical mandate. We see that this passage is all about Jesus. It's about, you know, Ezekiel walking through, and that's what we want to do. We want to invite people to step into the river and go deeper. So the way we put it at Riverwood is our purpose, our mission, is to invite the spiritually disconnected to find and follow Jesus. We want to help those who are on the banks of the river. They have not stepped in. The, the way the scriptures talk about people who aren't connected to Christ says that they're dead in their sins. Dead people can't do anything to save themselves. But Jesus did it for us. Jesus went to the cross. He died for our sins. And now when we understand that, our eyes are open, we believe it, you step into the river, you put your faith in Jesus, and now everything changes. Instead of being dead in our sins, we're now alive in Christ. Instead of being separated from God, we're now connected to our Father. We're now adopted as sons and daughters of the King. That's what we want to see. So we want to invite the spiritually disconnected to step into the river, to find and follow Jesus, to go deeper with him. But every once in a while, we need to just stop and kind of look at how are we doing? Because it's one thing for us to get caught up and say, oh, this is what we're all about. But then you end up doing life over here and you realize suddenly we're not doing what God's called us to do. So how did we do in 2015? We, uh, put together an annual report, our first one ever. Uh, we just completed our first full year of ministry, so we put together an annual report. That is going to be available immediately after today's service. So that'll be back on the Give and Grow table. I encourage anyone, whether it's your first time or your 50th time here, you can pick one of those up and take that with you. For anyone who has given financially, we're going to be emailing this out this next week with financial statements uh, so everyone can have access to this. All right? But I want to just highlight a few things that were in that annual report. What did we do well last year? Um, the first thing we did, by and far, the best thing we did was to ask Jeff Willis to come be our worship pastor. Uh, we've been looking for basically since before we started, and you can't believe the number of candidates we've interviewed. And I honestly thought we would get some young guy in his 20s. I was ready for that. It's someone we could invest in and raise up and just watch God work tremendously through them. I did not expect God to bring us someone as mature as Jeff, who's already like an elder, a pastor with a deep maturity, a depth to him of character, consistency, and, and to boot, the guy's a phenomenal musician. And how in the world he can play guitar with only a pinky and a thumb, I don't know. He's missing these three fingers. And the guy plays piano and keyboards and drums. And I mean, I mean, it's just, it's phenomenal. And I can't believe God is saying, yeah, this is the guy I want you here. And Jeff and Linnell, they're like, this is crazy. This small little church plant, they can't give us a full-time salary. What are, we, what are we doing? And they drove up to Iowa and they met us and they were like, we're supposed to be here. And so we asked them, would you come? They were like, please, tell us, ask us to come. They wanted the invitation. And so it, we were so excited. The, thing, the reason they're not here yet is they need to sell their house. They had two showings yesterday, their first two showings. After being on the market for two months, they finally had not just one showing, but two showings. So would you just pray that today or tomorrow they would get an offer from one of these two and that they could come and join us because they are eager to be up here in Waverly with us, all right? So that's an update on them, and that was by far the best thing we did as a church family. 
right? That's going to bring some change. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but that's one of our highlights. Also, one of the highlights as I was looking back on this year, the serving. You guys are phenomenal. The, you know, we're set up in Teardown Church. It's a lot of work. In fact, I just had a conversation with someone last week trying to encourage us, like, you got to go and get a building. You got to get a building. You're going to wear your people out. And I was like, but you're not here on Sundays, and you don't see the amazing attitudes that people have. And, and even people who aren't scheduled just sometimes jump in and show up and help out or just start helping with teardown. And, and not just in here, what goes on back in the Kids Creek and the nursery. I mean, you guys are a serving church, and it just blows me away. But it's not just serving each other and preparing for Sundays. It's like the food bank once a month. I calculated it up. I think it's, and I was trying to be really, really conservative, but you guys last year in 2015 did at least 165 hours at the food bank. Right? It, phenomenal. I, I have people regularly at the food bank who walk up to me and go, Aaron, I don't recognize a lot of these people. Are, are they part of Riverwood? And I'll sit there and go, yeah, they're from Riverwood, and they're from Riverwood, and they're from Riverwood. We're probably the smallest church involved with the food bank, and there's some nights where we have the most people there serving. It's because you guys are incredible. That was one of the highlights. You can't, un, you can't even begin to understand how proud I am and how thrilled I am that my church family isn't just about ourselves getting in our little building, that we're out there going, trying to be a blessing, giving of our time. And it just, it's awesome. So that was another highlight for the year. And then one more I just wanted to point out, because this one you can't put a number to. It's more of a cultural thing. But I just wanted to point out that we talk so much about leading with grace, but leaning on truth. And you guys seem to live that out. You guys seem to lead with grace. I, I've seen it where people can walk in the door and they could be of all sorts of different income. They could be at all sorts of different age levels. And I don't see little clicks happening and, and trying to ignore. I see you guys ready to welcome people in. And you don't expect people to have it all together. You guys seem to just accept people where they're at. And I think it's because of the stories that God's writing in you guys. I, I've seen many of you guys before Riverwood, no church attendance, you never studying the scriptures, you know, maybe you had a little bit of, you know, a sense of things spiritually, but now God is growing you. You guys are going deeper spiritually. I'm seeing God do more and more in you, and because of your own story, you, you're ready to welcome anyone, and I love that about our church, that we don't pretend like, oh, you've got to get your act together, you've got to achieve a certain income level, you've got to dress a certain way in order to belong. You guys are ready to welcome just about anyone into our midst, and I've seen it time and time again. And I love that. And that's a highlight to me for last year and for who I want us to be in the future. All right, there's more highlights in the annual report that you can see, but I want to move on. What are some things that we did all right? All right, not, not horrible, but not great. All right, one area I want to point out is financial giving. All right, I do not get up here every week and talk about money. All right, in fact, I intentionally don't talk about it over and over and over and over because I grew up in a church that talked about it over and over and over and over. And personally, I got sick of it, and it suddenly started feeling like, I don't think you really want me following Jesus. I think you just want my money. And that's the opposite of what we want. Now, I want Jesus to be Lord even of your wallet. And so, yes, that means you need to give. But if you think that we're just trying to be self-serving, I've even said, then give somewhere else. I just don't want you thinking the money's yours. It really belongs to God. He's the one who gave it to you, so you can give a portion of it back. Give it sacrificially, give it cheerfully, but give. Here's where we're at. We are in financial health because 54% of our budget is covered right now by outside contributors. A lot of friends, some family, we've got a couple of churches who know who Riverwood is. They believe in the mission that God has given us. They are excited about it, and so they have given financially toward it. That's what has allowed us to be kind of in the position we're in right now. But 
Most studies say that a church needs to become self-sufficient after about three years. Well, coming up here in April, we're going to hear Mark year two. That means that by April, we should be, according to the experts, two-thirds covered. Right? So that means we should be at 67%, but we're currently at about 46%. Right? We'll have to see what God does, but I just want you to know that's where we're at. Now, I realize there are some of you who are giving tremendously. By the way, I do not do anything with the money. I do not dip into the books. I, I, I keep my hands out of it because I want to help people follow Jesus. I sometimes know what people give, but that's not what I'm after. I'm wanting, after, I'm wanting to see God get people's hearts. So I never touch the money. So you don't have to worry about, ooh, is the pastor trying to get a little more here so his salary goes up? Actually, if we get more money, we'll probably increase Jeff's salary uh, before mine. So this is where we're at with the money, though. Some of you are giving sacrificially, and I just want you to know, thank you. It means a lot. You are helping us move forward. We are a brand new, fledgling, small church, just getting traction. We've got a long way to go, and you are helping it. It takes a lot. It's a big risk to say, I'm going to give towards this thing. And so I just want you to know, I see it, I recognize it, and I'm grateful for it. Some of you are giving, and I appreciate it, but I realize some of you are going to start sensing God saying, I want you to give some more. And it's not because we're trying to just get more from you. It's that God has some more for you, and he wants you to be more and more invested in this. Part of your discipleship, part of your growth, going deeper in that river, is going to include your money. And it's going to actually say, okay, I've been giving, but it hasn't been sacrificial. It, honestly, it, it hasn't really cost me much of anything. And God is going to be saying, I want you to increase this year. So you're going to have to start wrestling with God on that and, 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 and get, increase your giving. And some of you, if you consider Riverwood your home church, it's time for you to start giving. All right? We tell first-time givers, hey, please, I mean, first-time attenders, you, you, this is for the church family. We're not expecting anything from you. Just come and decide, is this a place that you want to come and join up? Because what we want to do is help you follow Jesus. That's our goal. We want to help you find him and follow him. So we're not going after your money. But if you're saying, yes, I'm a part of this church, now it's time probably for you to say, you know what? I am a part of this church. I do want to help the mission go forward. I do need to start giving, right? We're going to have to increase in our giving to, if we're going to meet the benchmarks, all right? And if we don't meet the benchmarks, we'll see what we'll do, all right? We're looking at this long term. We're in for a marathon. We're going to keep going. But I just felt you as a church family need to know where we're at and kind of what's ahead for the future. All right, now, an area that I think we need to improve, and that leads me to 2016, looking ahead. The area that I think we need to improve in most is the area of invitation, invitation. Have you ever been to, excuse me while I get my water, have you ever been to a, uh, uh, been on Facebook and suddenly you see like a bunch of your friends post photos from a party that they were all at and yet you never got invited? Or I've, I've had the unfortunate experience of <laughs> driving home into my neighborhood and I see all these people at a neighbor's house and I start looking and going, and that's a neighbor and that's a neighbor and that's a neighbor and suddenly you realize, oh, it's a neighborhood party and I wasn't invited. What's that mean? You know, it, it kind of hurts, doesn't it? Well, when you have something great, and you enjoy it, and you extend an invitation, what you're saying is, you are valuable, you matter, I would love to share this with you. That's why we need to be a place that has a culture of invitation. Why we need to be reaching out and inviting people in to be a part. Um... <clears throat> Now, I will be honest. I have not been a very good inviter this last year. 
I think the biggest fault of us not being a, a place of invitation falls on me. Because I realize that right now, as kind of the point leader for Riverwood, a lot of who we are as a church rests upon who I am as a follower of Jesus. And so if I'm not inviting, it's probably going to be difficult for many of you to keep inviting. Now, some of you tell me you are inviting, right? And I, I believe you. But I think this is an area that we can really grow in. And I will be the first to say I need to grow in it. Now, I'll share why it's difficult for me to invite. Because it's hard for me to say, hey, would you come on a Sunday and hear me speak? It just sounds really self-serving. It just, I don't know, I just feel really funny about it. This is why I'm not in sales. Uh, it, just, it just sounds like I'm trying to get something from them. But now that we've got Jeff coming, I can now start saying, hey, would you want to come on a Sunday? We've got this new worship leader, and you're not going to believe this. The guy only has two fingers and plays guitar. You've got to check this out. And Jeff will not mind one bit that if we use his hands as a reason to get people to come, right? Because God has written a phenomenal story in Jeff's life, and he doesn't mind sharing it. And so uh, we can invite people saying, you've got to meet this guy. God has done something tremendous there, and it will touch some people. And I think God's going to use Jeff and Linnell and their family to just draw some people in. And so I think it's okay for us to start inviting, saying, hey, you got to come check out this person, right? We've got to start growing in our invitations to our, our worship gatherings. Um, so what if someone says no to your invitation? I want you to realize that's a no for the moment, right? This last week, uh, as we were putting together that uh, annual report, I was looking at different churches and their annual reports and, and just making sure that I'm including, you know, the right things that we as a church family need to be talking about. And so I went on the website for Community Christian Church. It's a, a large church in the Chicago area. They've got about, uh, I think, like 14 campuses around the Chicago uh, area. And on their front page for the annual report was a video of Patrick and Nancy. Patrick and Nancy are friends of mine. They were on staff at the church in Kansas City when I was doing my leadership residency there. And they have a phenomenal story. And right there in the annual report was this video. And in the video, Nancy shared their story. Patrick was an atheist, came out of the army, got a job in the financial realm, was very, very successful, and had no time for God. Nancy, same. She was just happy with where she was at. They were making lots of money. Things were going well, but this darn neighbor just kept inviting her to church all the time and just kept inviting and inviting and inviting. And finally, Nancy's just like, okay, I'll go if you'll leave me alone. And so she went, she sat in the very, very back, was going to put in her hour, was going to be done, and then, okay, I came, we're done. And instead, God changed Nancy's life. Nancy sat in the back, and she says, as the pastor was talking, it just hit her right where she was at. She's hearing these songs, and Nancy loves music. And suddenly, God just spoke to her, and she realized there is a God. It's all true. And about three or four Sundays later, Nancy made a decision to follow Jesus. She comes home, and she tells her husband. And her husband's thinking, oh, no, my wife's joined a cult. And it just, he, he just, I don't know how I'm going to handle this. Because, I mean, he was an atheist. He was, he was firm in his atheism. But he trusted and respected his wife enough that he's like, all right, I'll look into it. And began to kind of study and read. He's an intellectual. And after several months, he finally says, okay, I'll come to church with you. And he shows up at church, and he's all these questions. And he even talks to the campus pastor that day and just challenges him with all this stuff. And the campus pastor's like, well, hey, why don't you come to our small group? And it was, it was kind of a rough beginning. Eventually, Patrick found Jesus. And the pastor, the campus pastor that morning, 
is the guy who left to go to Kansas City to plant a church and invites Patrick and Nancy to go with him. And Patrick ends up becoming kind of the executive pastor for the church. Really just starts contributing tremendously, just growing. After about four years in Kansas City, they realize he's the guy to lead the New Thing Network. The New Thing Network is community Christians armed for church planting. And so Patrick is now leading church planting, all because a neighbor would not quit inviting you don't know what God will do through your invitation. And just because they say no this one moment doesn't mean they will say no the next moment. Maybe they're just not ready. Maybe they're still hearing from God. But eventually they might just come and say, all right, I'll check it out. And you never know what God will do. The invitation creates the opportunity for God to do what only he can do. We can't make anyone do anything. Only God can do that. Man, when we get to see it happen, it's awesome. You will have more joy than you ever imagined when you see someone that you invite to come and be involved, and you see God begin to work in them and then through them. Plus, you never know. God might just end up using them to change your life, just like he's used Patrick and Nancy to change the lives of others. You see, as you begin to invite, it means we're going to grow numerically. I remember when my uh, family was in, living in Colorado, I was the worship pastor for a brand new little church plant. Uh, when we started, I think on my candidating Sunday, there was 11 adults in the service. Uh, we were about 20 people counting the kids on most Sundays when we began. And uh, it was really awkward. I was up there with my little keyboard playing my MIDI track in the background. And yeah, the music wasn't very good. That's why I'm not a worship pastor anymore. Uh, but we somehow began to grow. And, and when we were about 30 people, there was this family that moved in about a block away from the school where we met. And they showed up. Wonderful couple. But they'd never been to church. They didn't know anything about the story of Jesus. But they just felt like we should go. It'd be good for our, our boys. They had two young boys. God changed their life. They both find Jesus. They begin to grow spiritually. And I loved watching the mom, the, the wife, on the front row. She would just be up there clapping away, singing with the songs with my pathetic little piano playing because Jesus changed her life. She was awesome. But then as we kept growing, we got to about, I remember we were around 60, 65 people most Sundays. And she walks up to the pastor one day, and she says, Pastor, we're really growing. And the pastor for a moment was like, yeah, it's great. She's like, no, it's not. She's like, what? She's like, I don't know everyone anymore. To her, church was to be, I got to know everyone. That's not the goal of church. If that's what you want, form a little club, get to know everyone, and then exclude everyone else. Our mission is to invite the spiritually disconnected to find and follow Jesus. And so that means if God is at work in someone's life, even if we don't know them, that's a win. That's the church that we are. And so our goal is not to know everyone. Yes, please be friendly, welcome, reach out. Right? If you, re if you see someone you don't recognize, don't walk up and say, are you new here? Because it's possible they're like, um, actually, I've been here like three or four times. Uh, I think you've been gone. Uh, instead, walk up and say, hi, my name's Aaron. Well, don't say Aaron. Say your name. But, you know, walk up. My name's Aaron. What's your name? I don't think I've had a chance to meet you yet. Right? And e you can even play dumb. Say, oh, I forget your name. Could you just remind me? I've got a really bad memory. Let's welcome people. Let's make them feel involved because you never know what God's going to do in their life. As he takes them deeper, he might do some tremendous things in them and through them. And he might even use them to impact you. That might be your future best friend who's going to help you go deeper in your faith than you ever imagined. 
So let's have a culture of invitation. Let's reach out. Let's welcome people and bring them in, even if it means we begin growing, even if it means we start having to go, what do we do with this building? What do we do for the future? Let's invite. But you don't have to invite only to Sunday mornings. Because some people will go, oh, I don't know, that's this or, you know, organized religion, I'm a little uncomfortable, I was part of a church, it wasn't that good, I, they were just you know, legalistic. But I'll come to a small group, especially if you have food. And so you can invite them into your growth group. And we're at a great place with our growth groups right now. Uh, last year, we only had one growth group. We've just doubled uh, our growth group. Yes, it means we only have two, right? As I was looking at these, you know, annual reports for these mega churches, they're like, we have 800 small groups. I'm like, we've got two? Uh, you know what? Jesus changed the world with 12 disciples. We don't have to have 800 small groups to be significant. We can change this region with two. And I love it. Not only am I loving it right now, because there's something for Riverwood going on that I'm not at, Right? I do not want Riverwood to be the Aaron and Leanne Bird show, right? We will fail as a church if that's the case. The fact that there's a small group going on on Thursday nights that I don't have to be there, and I know it's going to go really well and awesome because I've sat under Joel's leadership when he's led, it thrills my heart like you wouldn't believe. I can't wait to hear from Joel how to go. Just to know that it's going on, the discussions are happening, people are chasing after Jesus. I love it. And our Sunday group, we've only met once one time. So if you don't have a group and Thursday doesn't work, we'd love to have you in. All right? We're new to each other. You'd be new too. You'll fit right in. We had a great conversation last week. It was really natural. It was really comfortable. These people will welcome you in. It was awesome. And it's already starting with someone saying, I think I need to be a small group leader. In fact, I'll be honest. I would hope that many of you will someday be leading growth groups. I would love to see that in your walk with Jesus, that you're helping lead others. And to be a small group leader does not mean you got to know everything. It means you just have to care for people and desire to do what you can to help them follow Jesus. So I'd love to see everyone be a growth group leader. One of our goals for this next year is I would love to see us even launch a third small group this fall. All right, so we'd have three growth groups. That means we have to have three leaders, and I think it's going to happen. It could happen. But if you're not in a growth group, get in one. I'll be honest. My, well, okay, I'll, I'll be truly honest. My goal my dream would be to have 100% of people in growth groups. In fact, one annual report showed they launched a new campus, and there are more people in small groups than attend the campus on Sundays. Uh, and they were really, really proud of that. I'm going, oh, I'm jealous. Uh, no, I wasn't. Uh, but I still would love to see 100% involvement. Now, I gotta, I'll be realistic. I realize that might not be possible. Some people aren't ready for that yet. But I'll be honest. I would love to see 80% of our church in growth groups. If you were to force me, Aaron, you can have Sundays, or you can have growth groups. You can't have both. Which do you choose? I'm getting rid of Sundays. I will go with growth groups because I want to help you guys follow Jesus. And you're going to learn just as much, if not more, by getting into a group, opening the Bible yourself, and having discussion than to hear one person pontificate all their thoughts from their study during the week. This is good. This is not the ultimate. So I want to see you guys get into growth groups. So do what you can to get in one. Fight it. Get a, I mean, fight the excuses, get away from those things, get into a group. But you can also invite to, into a group. Some people might not feel comfortable coming to something like this. But to sit down in a home, to talk about the Bible, that they're willing to do. So invite into a growth group, all right? Next, we can also invite people to serve with us. Serving to the food bank does not mean you have to have a seminary degree, all right? 
Anyone can do it, all right? I even have an atheistic friend who has helped to serve at the food bank, all right? It doesn't take much to walk up to someone and say, hi, can I help you carry a box as you load it up with food, all right? It's easy place to serve. Some people, they will not, they do not like the idea of sitting down, hearing a sermon, or going into a group to talk about things. To them, they're like, if you believe what you believe, it should be affecting how you live. And they want to see faith put into action. So you say, okay, you, you want to see faith put into action? My church serves every single month at the food bank. Come on. And they'll come in, they'll serve alongside of us, and that might be the door that God uses to bring them in and start to change their life. So we can also invite there. But I think we need to create just a couple more opportunities. One of the things that we did before we launched was we served at the community gardens, and we've also helped out at Cedar Valley Friends of the Family. Both very easy entry points to help and serve. Both are trying to be uh, for our community. The food from the community garden, it goes to the Northeast Iowa Food Bank, which helps provide the food for the food bank we help out each month at the vineyard. It also um, gives the food to the All Saints Cafe, which is a Monday night cafe run by four different mainline churches here in town. And then it's starting to also give food to the uh, Vineyard Cafe, which is on Wednesday nights. And now there's four churches involved with that. The Vineyard, Cross Point, uh, Open Bible, and Grace. Each are taking a different uh, Wednesday uh, there. And so the food is going into these places, all right? Easy. You do not, again, have to be a super spiritual mature person in order to go and pull weeds, all right? We can go to the gardens. My dream is that we serve there like maybe three times over this next year. Once in the spring, once in the summer, once in the fall. I'm not one to make it a super heavy commitment. We are all busy people. Many of you are, you know, raising families. Life is full. And yet, I think we need to create just a couple more opportunities than just the food bank where we can invite some people to come in and serve alongside of us as we bless our community. The reason we didn't this last year do those other things is purely, purely leadership bandwidth. Leanne and I are maxed out. There is, we cannot do any additional in our leadership. We are, we are at the totality. So what we need is someone to say, I can give leadership to that. I can coordinate with the city what Wednesday or what Saturday morning we come and serve. I can help put the announcement together. I can make the announcement. I can run the sign up. I can give leadership to that. That's really what we're lacking to make this happen. And I don't want this to be a once a week thing. We're talking like three times next year in 2016, right? That's the biggest reason we didn't do something at CVFF or at the community gardens, just purely leadership, because Leanne and I, we're at the max. We can't go any further. Um, and that leads into the next thing. I think we also need to be going as a church. Now, I see the food bank as kind of going, but really I see that as us serving. And so I put that under give, giving of our fist, finances, influence, skills, and time. So we're opening up our time. We're giving there. But what I want to see is I want to see us go a little more intentionally into our community. When uh, Silent Springs Bible Church from Arkansas came up and ran a VBS for us our very first summer, this is in 2014, we wanted to get word out about the VBS. And so we did these parties in the park, all right? It was a, supposed to be this one-time thing, short little deal. But then we did one, and it was such a hit. And I realized we should not be doing this just for our VBS and self-serve ourselves. We need to do this for the sake of the community. Because as we did our first one, I had several people come up to me and saying, Who's running this thing? Thinking, uh-oh. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of responsible. I'm like, thank you. I have not hung out with my neighbors. I have not talked with them. I met some new people tonight. Thank you for serving us like this. Why are you doing this? It was a blessing to them. And I realized that if you help neighbors get to know other neighbors, it increases trust. They feel more connected than into the community, and it creates a stronger community. And if we become known as a church that's for the community and wanting to strengthen it, 
I think we would see some people start saying, that's a place I'd want to go. And we might watch God do something in them that only he can do. So that means we've got to create this place that we can invite neighbors to get to know neighbors. And so we need these parties in the park. Again, the reason we did not do it last year, it's purely bandwidth. I wanted to do two. I'd like to do one in June and one in August. And we do them on a Saturday night when no one has anything else going on. And we just get some burgers and dogs. We grill them out, get some chips, maybe some fruit, a cookie, lemonade, a couple of bounce houses for the kids. And that's it. And you just allow neighbors to come out, hang out, get to know other neighbors. Simple, it's easy, and yet it's a tremendous blessing. And we will get the joy of seeing people come up to us and going, who's in charge? Because this is awesome. Thank you. So I want to create these opportunities for us to invite people to go. All right. Um, So the primary goal for 2016, if I summed it up into one word, is to invite. Invite into our gatherings, invite into growth group. Just invite, invite, invite. Because you don't know what God will do through your invitation. An invitation creates the space for God to do something. However, that's not the one thing I want Riverwood known for. I I do not want people to go, oh, Riverwood Church, that's the church that's always inviting me to everything. That's not who I want to be known for. I I don't, with Jeff coming, I'm super excited, but I don't want us to be known as the church that that's the church with the really good music, as much as I enjoy that and appreciate it. I, I don't want us to be the church known for preaching, whether it be because it's really good or really, really bad. I don't want us to be known for that. I don't even want us to be known as the church that that's the church that's always out serving, as good as that is. What I want us to be known for is that's the church that's all about Jesus. Because you see, our statement is to invite the spiritually disconnected to find and follow Jesus. It isn't about having people find and follow Riverwood. It isn't about people finding and following Aaron. It isn't about us just trying to build an organization for ourselves. This is about helping people find spiritual life and to grow in a relationship with Christ. That's what we are all about, and that's what the invitation does. The invitation is ultimately not just come and be a part of my church, not just come and serve alongside of us. Don't just come into my home. It's an invitation to ultimately find and follow Jesus. So that if we were playing a game, and I were to call out Riverwood Church, unanimously, without hesitation, people would yell back, Jesus. And I would love it if our community would yell that back. Because when we are passionate about Jesus, then our worship comes alive, and we will want to be singing, and we will be known as a church that has great music because we're passionate about Jesus. We'll have people coming saying, I love the teaching there, because we just get into the Bible, we open it up, and I'm learning about Jesus. We'll be a church that we're out there, we're serving. And people go, man, that church, they're all about serving people. Why? Because Jesus has done something in them. That's why I want us to be the church that's all about Christ. That's why I want us to be Jesus-centered, that we would love like Jesus loved and live like Jesus lived. Because when we do that, we will see God change the world. But it often begins with an invitation. So if I had to sum that up, for 2016, I'm going to invite you to invite and then watch God do what only he can do. So Father, I just pray that you would do this. Uh, It's one thing for me to talk about dreams, plans, goals, but ultimately, Lord, I want to see you reign. I want to see you the leader of people's lives. I want to see people surrender to you, stepping into the river, going deeper with you, and them getting the joy of finding and following Jesus. Jesus, your gospel is powerful. It's weird. It's strange. It's awkward to think that, that our sin deserves death, and yet you went to a cross and paid for it. 
and yet it's true. And so, God, I pray that you would help this gospel message to go forth, that you would use us to just be a blessing. We would be a blessing through our hands. We'd be a blessing through our ears. We'd be a blessing through our presence. But ultimately, we'd also be a blessing through our words, and that we would be a church that has a culture of invitation, inviting people to find and follow you. So, God, this next year, would you just put on our hearts, our friends, our family, our neighbors, our coworkers, that, that are spiritually disconnected. Maybe they're feeling disconnected in their marriage. They're feeling disconnected in their parenting. They're, they're feeling disconnected in their jobs. And maybe our invitation is your avenue to help them find you, to connect with you, and to go deep in a relationship with you. So God, I ask that you do this because we can't force it. We can't make it. But give us the guts to go out and invite and then watch you do what only you can do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.